Hello and welcome to podcast 26 from Football Anya, the first of 2018. I'm Football Anya writer Michael Statham, and today I'm joined by Football Anya editor Michael Bell and fellow writer James Rowe. We'll be discussing the January transfer window, the return of the Eredivisie, including Eric Ten Hag's arrival at Ajax before their crunch match with Feyenoord, and we'll answer your questions sent in via social media. Make sure to like this podcast and subscribe to Football Anya wherever you're listening via SoundCloud, iTunes or YouTube. So uh, welcome listeners and we're going to start our conversation on the January transfer window. Uh, and there have been some big moves already and I think there should be no better place to start than talking about Virgil van Dijk. 75 million quid. I think Premier League wise, money wise, where it is now having van Dijk on that big a contract, the money is just... What you have to pay in modern football for someone as good as Van Dijk is. Is he the best defender in the world? Probably not. Um, but he definitely is one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League. And, you know, Southampton knew what they had. They knew that Liverpool really wanted him. So they got the, the price that his market value is. Um, I think he saw in the first game where he scored the winner against Everton. You know, he's starting to repay some of that. It's going to be a while before he repays 75 million. But, you know, it's just when you look at the Dutch transfer window... You know records and you know some of the players that have gone in the past. Mark Overmars was the previous record holder. You know back in nineteen nineties of forty million. Um, you know now Van Dijk's the most expensive Dutchman of all time. When you think of all the names that you know Holland have produced, the Snyder's, Van Persie's more recently, it's quite startling to think that it's a centre back. It's going to be the Dutch record holder when you think of all the attacking talents. I think that Liverpool have paid an awful lot of money for Van Dijk to plug a gap that they so badly need. If you look at Van Dijk's transfer fee from um, when he signed from Cloningen to Celtic was only 2.6 million and uh, he signed for Celtic back in 2013 so how quickly things can go. Um, he's uh, nat- nat- of course uh, played uh, 16 times for the Netherlands since making his debut in 2015. He is a good defender but I certainly don't think he's worth that. And, um, you know, he's got experience with British football, having played for Celtic uh, more than 50 times. And um, I think uh, I think he will improve at Liverpool, but uh, I think the uh, the hype surrounding it personally has gone a little bit too far. Yeah, hopefully he'll improve to the level where he can be more relied upon for the Netherlands, um, as they, they do need a consistent centre-back who's going to be there game in, game out. Maybe this move to Liverpool will help... Um, Adanya in general and hopefully tied him up defensively. Um, he is one of the standout performers in the Premier League. He rates upon uh, as one of the best passers uh, in the league in terms of centre-backs. He also wins uh, one of the most uh, in terms of aerial duels, tackling and is a very very good defender. I think now he needs to really kick on because he didn't have a great start to the season with Southampton, maybe because of all these rumours flying around. But you can't deny he's a world-class centre-back. 75 million is a lot, but maybe that's just today's market. Um, speaking of Dutch players in the transfer window, uh, Wesley Schneider has moved to, to uh, Qatar. Is it the end for him? Has he got much left in his career now? Personally, I think this is maybe his last move. Um, he signed, I think it's a one-and-a-half-year contract. I think he's gone for one last payday before he retires. Um you saw at Nice, you know, he was struggling with injuries. Even when he was getting games, he wasn't really 
having sort of an impact. Um, I think in Europe, you know, teams just don't play the way they, they can rely on Schneider anymore. Even when he was playing for a national team, you'd plug him out wide. Um, you know, I know Netherlands boss isn't going to want to call on Schneider. Um, so I think he's went, his international career is over, so he might as well just spend a year and a half in the sun um, in a league where, you know, he's going to be the big name along with, I think Xavi plays there as well. Um, they've given him a captaincy and probably a lot of money and I think Snyder just took it. I'd rather have seen him maybe going to America, um, but you can't fault him. You know, his career's come to an end. He's 33, 34. He's probably got another year, year and a half in him. Um, he's just taking the, taking the pay packet. I um, translated the comments that he gave to his uh, upon his arrival when he signed during his unveiling and uh, he was adamant that he's come for footballing reasons and he was adamant about the um, Qatar looking ahead to um, 2022 and footballing culture and especially wanting to help the younger players improve and, uh, and be, uh, be there in an education sense to, to help the team improve. I think if you look at his career with um, Ajax, Real Madrid, Inter and Galatasaray, I think after Galatasaray he was at a massive crossroads where he was linked to the Premier League, he was linked with a move back to Spain or back to Italy and um, things have, have, have taken a turn where when he arrived at Nice, Nice was in a lot of... Um, uh, Nice was in form when he signed in terms of uh, having just knocked Ajax out of the, the Champions, uh, Champions League qualifiers and, and having a dangerous team and you could see why he went there but he obviously wasn't fit and the coach Lucien Favre was never really convinced of his fitness to play him regularly and for him to uh, to pay the confidence back and I think uh, I think he's taken the opportunity with a, with a career being quite short to earn as much as possible and uh, you know this it's when you look at what Xavi has been doing in Qatar and people seem to be happy with him and uh, I think Snyder will toe the line and, and be as professional as possible and um, yeah to take the final pay packet and uh, and to try and see out his career with uh, with his head held high in that respect. Yeah, one of the true Netherlands greats that's finally retiring. Um, and another one as well is Robin van Persie, who's looking like he's on the verge of completing a move to come back to Feyenoord. And what what a place to start as well. His first game to Classica, if he does sign in time, um, Ajax Feyenoord. And is it, is it likely that he'll he'll make a transfer in time? Does anyone know? Uh, well, I checked today and there's been no developments. There was rumours of a potential medical taking place on uh, a Saturday afternoon, but I think we'll hear more of um, I think we'll hear more of the transfer going into this week, and uh, I think it's just a question of time as to whether the registration is done. I think uh, Van Persie wants to return to his city of Rotterdam. He wants to play for Feyenoord again, and I think if the move does go through, it will give the club a massive uh, impulse, especially the second half of the season, because although they're many, many points behind PSV and uh, had a difficult time in Europe, to have such a, a world-class striker back among, amongst their ranks will uh, will give them a lot of confidence going forward. You've got to wonder where Van Persie fits into this Feyenoord side, though. Is he going to be, you know, a winger? Um, because he's not going to get ahead of Jorgensen up front, so you can't really see them playing him as a striker, is he going to play on the left-hand side? Because obviously Boetius hasn't had as much of an impact as they thought he would have this season. They've got Sam Larson on the right-hand side. They've got 
Berghaus. So where where do you guys think that Van Persie is actually going to fit into this starting eleven? I think he's going to be playing in the 10. Because I don't think he has a pace anymore to be a winger. It was his original position. But um, yeah, no, I, I think he'll play just behind Jorgensen. That's why I think he'll be best used. Uh, coming into the box quite late to score those goals. Yeah, I, I agree. I think... Um... I think the number ten role will be suited uh, suited to him. I think he he can easily adapt. I think he'll he'll like just like with Delacout, he'll want to to do the best for the team in whatever position he's picked for, and with his experience in in leading the young uh, a young group and uh, and with his um, ambition as uh, in terms of wanting to finish his career in the best way possible, I think he's. Um, I think he's come back to. Uh, I think he will come back to final to uh, to have unfinished business to win uh, domestic honours again. There is a long way to go, there, isn't there, for final now the title race? But he he will have definitely had that little bit of um, incentive, a little bit extra goal threat that they just were lacking at the start of the season. Uh, the previous three games before the winter break, they scored fifteen goals. Um, so the goals are coming back, but they were against weaker sides. You know, does Van Persie add that little bit extra firepower that? can give him a victory um, away at Ajax. I think so. I think somebody like Van Persie can score from from anywhere. Um, you know, he's a dead ball master. He can score free kicks. He can, um, as a number 10 position, he's, he will definitely link up to play a bit better than, you know, what they've got now. Um, you think he'd probably take Tunister's place in the midfield. Um, and if they can get him in any position, he's got to be very fired up. Especially coming up against, say, Dolberg's out, so it's going to be a class young hunter or Ajax. You know, them two had a feud in the national team. It's going to be very interesting to see them going head-to-head um, on the pitch. And it's such a big game, an Ajax Feyenoord game in Amsterdam. If it is going to be Van Persie's debut, you've got to think he's going to be really fired up to prove a point. And, uh, you know, it could be an absolute cracker. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, you've got Ericsson Hark as well taking charge of Ajax. And, you know, what, what's he going to add to it as well? Um, it's really exciting game. There's going to be so many different sides to it, and it's as it is the first game as well coming back from the winter break. Um, I, I think this leads on quite nicely to a question from David, who who um, he says loving the podcasts, quality's improving even more. Um, looking forward to the podcast, which is this one. And what do you guys think about Edison Hark as the new Ajax manager? I think it's a good. I think it's a good move. I think it's. Um... As uh, Van der Sar stated on the, on the article that I translated earlier on today, they um, they made a mistake in appointing Marcel Kaiser and they wanted to give it a chance and they wanted to to give him to the end of the season, but they felt that given the ambition of the club, and especially with the results uh, losing to Vitesse at home and uh, getting knocked out of Europe, they didn't really see much progression, and they've got in a manager who's um, who's done tremendous work at. Um, Utrecht making them difficult to beat. He's also got uh, experience abroad, having trained um, uh, the reserve team of Bayern Munich when Guardiola was there. He's also been assistant at FC Twente and PSV Eindhoven. And uh, I think Den Haag also realises that this is a good opportunity for him. And um, uh, it was very interesting to hear Matthias de Ligt uh, say about the uh, the tactical uh, training that's been done since. Uh, since Den Haag has arrived, because they didn't, they didn't really do that before. And uh, I think you'll see Ajax improving in a tactical sense uh, under Den Haag. One thing I do want to say about the Klassiker, although it's a, a much, uh, it's a much um, 
appreciated game in terms of the rivalry the fact that that both sets of fans cannot attend neither in Amsterdam nor Rotterdam really takes away from the spectacle I was at the last uh, Classico where both uh, fans were in attendance and that was in August 2005 and final one two nil uh, two nil and that's actually the last time they won in Amsterdam and now you only have in the case of Amsterdam, in the case of uh, the Arena, only fans of Ajax, and it, it really takes away from the spectacle. So you would hope that um, that the um, the Dutch FA and that the the people that represent Ajax and final can uh, can come to some agreement to put that right for future years, because you're closing in on uh, on on 15 years of uh, or tw well, it's already 12, but you'll you'll be closing in soon enough on 15 years of the most. Uh, renowned game of Dutch football where both sets of supporters are not able to attend so hopefully that can be put right uh, sooner rather than later yeah absolutely um, the fans are so key to a fixture like that um, and, and David's second question actually talks about the atmosphere James maybe you can give a helping hand here too he says he'd love to see Ajax at some point this year um, to get more uh, but also to get an experience of a more rustic atmosphere at a smaller stadium in the area of Eredivisie or the Upila League of a Jupiler League. Uh, James, could you recommend um, a good game to go for, to for Ajax or maybe lower down the area of Izzy or in the second division? Well, if you look at the fixtures coming up, you've got um, Ajax play uh, Den Haag at the end of February, which is always a spicy encounter. And uh, they've also got home games coming up against uh, FC Twente and uh, Nakbaleda. And um, they also play Venlo in, um, in April midweek, so that should be quite interesting. Um, I think the atmosphere um, at Ajax under Kaiser was a little bit, um, at times, uh, imbalanced. You had pockets of, uh, of fans spread out the stadium that were more passionate than others or more uh, prepared to give Kaiser a chance. But um, I think Ten Hag will, uh, will make sure that there's a new impulse. I mean, I, I'll be, my first game uh, after the winter break will be Nakbreda on February the 4th, so look forward to that. Going down to the Jupiter League, I would suggest that uh, if um, if a gentleman does come to the Netherlands, that uh, 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 go-ahead Eagles would be a good choice. That would be my choice. Uh, Daventer is, uh, is not too far away and it's a real nice city centre, nice and quiet and tranquil. And go-ahead have an absolutely fantastic reputation. I mean, they're a real, uh, real family club, really warm club where the fans really get behind them. And I actually went to the Adelaarshorst when I interviewed uh, Leon de Gogel back in September. And even the stadium itself, it is quite impressive. It's, um, it's uh, in, a, in an, uh, an area where there's, there's houses surrounding it and it's not too far from the city centre. You can even walk there from the city centre. And it's, um, I had like a, a mini tour from the, um, from the press officer at the time. And it's just uh, it's a special stadium where the fans get behind them. So I, if I was to make a suggestion, I would definitely say uh, that in uh, in the area of Vizzi, try to get to the arena for Ajax. And then if you, if you are entertaining the notion of the Upper League, I would suggest go ahead, go ahead Eagles in Daventer. I would suggest to anyone listening uh, to attend Nak Bereda, um in the area of Vizzi. What an atmosphere, what a club. Um, they're they're, they're too, too low down the division to represent the true size of the club and just the true atmosphere that the fans can generate. Um, I, James, I really want to go back to what you're saying about uh, Eric Ten Hag um, and how I, I find it interesting that you said that. I didn't I didn't know that the, the players had been doing all this extra tactics training and it's 
interesting to hear that. I, I'm not surprised at all though. Um, Ten Hag is a very tactical trainer. He, he does like his um, attacking formations. I think we'll see him use the either the five slash three at the back that he used to play Utrecht, or that four four two diamond that he used to use there as well. He really just played to the player's strengths, but. I did like the way that he um, would often shift the play out wide. Uh, they'd get an overload on the side of the pitch, but also get loads of runners into the box. Midfielders, strikers, the left winger will be in there if the play is coming down the right. And it just added so much more goal threat. And especially at home, it can really help break down defences. Um, Michael, what do you think about Edith and Hark? Do you think he's going to bring some extra life to Ajax? Do you think he's going to lift the title race once more? Definitely, I think, of any appointment Ajax could have made, um, I think Ten Hag is the best choice. He's proved himself at Utrecht, what he's done there. I think he's taken them as far as he can. Um, the players that he had there, he's got the best out of them. And he's taken over an Ajax side that's got so much potential and so much talent. Um, he bled youth at Utrecht and now he's got a pool of you know, so many talented youngsters in Amsterdam that in a, such an attacking side, the two just seem to go together perfectly. Um, Kaiser couldn't get the best out of them, but I think Ten Hag, he's more tactical. He can bring to win games just through substitutions, um, which Kaiser couldn't do. You know, he was often criticised for making the wrong choices from the bench, but I think um, Ten Hag, tactical, get it right from the start. He'll, he'll switch things up when needed. And then I think he's just got more of a football and brain that's been moulded, even said that Pep Guardiola by Munich helped him out and shaped his vision. I think he's going to turn this side around in the second half of the season. I think PSV will need to be at their best to keep them from catching them. It's only five points. I think you know, you're looking at Ajax PSV when that comes around, you're looking at Ajax Feyenoord this weekend. Um, and even the signings that Ajax are going to make, he's even talking about bringing in Zachary Oabiad from Utrecht. I think that'll add an extra dimension when from the bench when you're looking at Ajax sometimes they're bringing on CM De Jong um, but say if ZX not performing well in the midfield then bringing on Wabiad would just add something that an extra spark that maybe Ajax don't have um, and you know I think watching them is going to be the most exciting thing for the second half of the season yeah they're really going to be breathing down PS3's necks okay, I have to admit uh, relating to Ajax a question from Cam on Twitter if Eunice stays I mean Eunice does he get a starting spot back from Klauvert? No, absolutely not. Um, if um, Ten Hag wants to um, continue the highlights that uh, Kaiser uh, managed to have at certain times, then he's got to start Justin Klauvert at every available opportunity. He's, uh, he's coming more and more prominent in games. He's more and more of a presence. I was at the 5-1 win uh, against the LDSA back in November. And to be so young and to take the game by the scruff of the neck and want to want to score, want to create. And you, you can see that with Cliver, with the nucleus of Donny van der Beek and um, Frenkie de Jong as well, they really enjoy playing with, with each other. They really enjoy um, setting each other up, encouraging each other, motivating each other. So if I was um, Eric Ten Hag, I, would, uh, I wouldn't entertain the notion of Yunus uh, starting over Justin Cliver. Um, and Cam's second question was, who do you think is the next Eredivisie player to break the league's transfer record? 
And it's it's funny you put that after the Clavert question because I don't think you can look much further than it being one of Ajax's young super talents. Um, no other team in the league has so many uh, young players that are playing at the top at top level at such a young age. Um, personally, I would put my money on uh, pardon the pun, Matthijs De Ligt, um, a superb defender. He's we've all been hearing about how just how good he is. Um, and the level he's playing at already. And I think that there will be a massive money move for him in the summer or maybe the summer after that. Uh, what do you guys think? I agree, but I also think um, if you're going to Ajax, you've got to say Frankie de Jong has a great chance. Um, he's come on leaps and bounds this season. You know, all the biggest teams in Europe are wanting him. He's signed a big contract. He's only going to get better and better. Um, if he improves under Ten Hag, then he's going to, I think, steal the limelight from um, do you see it on Twitter? You, like, the amount of highlight reels that every single game that Frankie De Jong plays is like highlight reels from all the you know, talent um, that he's got and all the passes that he can do. He's, he just can do anything with a ball. I think if he moves into midfield, I think the big clubs are all going to come for him and it's going to get you know, into a battle and the money's just going to go up and up and up. I think they would both be wise to stay where they are short term. Um, I think that's. Uh... I think that's important for them both. They're still very, very young, both of them. And in the case of Matthias de Ligt, he's only 18 years of age. And to be linked with um, FC Barcelona at that age, you'd be wise to stay in Amsterdam a uh, a few more seasons yet. The most, the most impressive thing about de Ligt is when he's, um, when he's speaking to the media, he always sounds extremely mature and always has a, a massive... Um, massive motivation to learn even when I did the uh, translation of his quote speaking about the training sessions under Eric Ten Hag about you know the willingness to learn about the uh, the tactical training about um, improving in a positional sense and these are things that will stand him, him all in good stead for the future and there's there's absolutely no need at all for an, a very promising 18 year old Dutch defender to leave um, one of the most famed, famed academies not just in the Netherlands but also in Europe uh, having come through that and to make your debut in the first team and to have such a promising uh, start to a career there's no need to give all that up at the age of 18 to go and play in La Liga or to go and play in Serie A or the Premier League if um, if he continues to improve at the, at the rate he's doing the same goes for Frenkie de Jong the teams that are linked with them both now they will return for them both it's not as if uh, the train is coming and they've got to get they've got to board that train otherwise these teams will never come again if they uh, if they both take a step back and evaluate and continue their progression um, the clubs that are linked with them now will return for, for them both and um, to wait one or two seasons more or even three would be uh, would be the best for them both in my opinion fair enough um that's a good point and you said in the past how many players will have left the likes of ajax far too early and just not succeeded um question from gareth i was hoping that edison hark would have been given the national team job with him being a young manager with fresh ideas could that ajax appointment be seen as an audition for a future role with the national team Definitely, he's probably the most promising Dutch coach um, in the Eredivisie at the moment. And after a couple of years with Ajax, um, say if Ronald Koeman takes over the national team now, when he's ready to leave, then Ten Hag would definitely be the next one. He'd be ready for it. Um, he's only in his early 50s, Ten Hag, a couple of years with Ajax. Then you know, I think he'll probably want to go abroad and try, try again there. Then the national team's definitely a, a future option. 
I think potentially it's a future option for him. He's only 47 years of age. But I think um, I think for him, the important thing is to get Ajax winning titles and to improve his reputation. And then I think given his experience with Bayern Munich, I think he would look to go abroad, maybe back to Germany to uh, for, to manage a club in his own right. But I think he's got every right to be selective. You know, he's, just, he's got... Um, there's no need to, uh, even if he does succeed with Ajax, there's no need, like in the case of Peter Boss, as soon as the first club comes to jump ship again. I, I think uh, I think we'll see Ten Hag at uh, Ajax for quite some time, at least uh, at least two seasons. Yeah, it's going to take a while for him to develop into that high-level manager that, that the Netherlands need. Um, and this relates on to a question from William. As we head into spring... Who do you see as the emerging favourites to manage the Arania? Is Komen a lock or will they go foreign? Um, James, you live in Amsterdam. What's the latest over there? What's the latest news on a new manager? I mean, it's gone very quiet, hasn't it? And Koeman has been rumoured for quite a while. Yeah, it, it's gone quiet from the last time that uh, Eric Huda, who was at uh, Feyenoord, who had a fantastic relationship with Koeman. He's now, uh, Eric Huda is now involved with the, uh, the Dutch FA. And he's made it quite clear in uh, one media uh, interview that he did with the NOS that um, he plans on taking his time and looking at all the available assets and facets to uh, to such a decision. Uh, he even mentioned looking at looking at nations like Iceland and Serbia and Belgium in terms of their passion and organisation as to what the Netherlands could do better. Uh, Koeman is the initial favourite. Although Huda himself has stated that he wants uh, he wants a new man in place by by the time the friendlies come round in March against uh, Wales in Rotterdam and against England in Amsterdam, um, as someone who's moved to the Netherlands and has lived here for nearly uh, twelve years, I don't believe that the country would be receptive to a foreign manager. I think the people, especially in the media, that, w that were advocating a foreign coach once um, Advocat was really uh, was um, has left the position. I think they were only talking in order to be heard, to say, oh, I told you so, or, oh, you know, it's something new and something exciting. My tip and my example would be this. Argentina don't do it. Brazil don't do it. Germany don't do it. France don't do it. These nations would never entertain the notion of employing a national team manager from outside of the country because they know that the person sitting on the bench wearing that suit with that emblem on is representing their people in their country. And I would advocate uh, the, the Dutch FA employing Koeman at the earliest poss uh, possibility. I think there's um, wranglings as regards to uh, the Everton debacle in terms of disclosure agreements and, and what needs what can, what can be said and what can't be appointed. But they would, they would do well to look at their neighbours Germany. If you look back into the early 2000s when uh, German football was in abyss, they came so close close to um, appointing current Crystal Palace manager Roy Hodgson as their national team manager. And uh, Hodgson was on the verge of signing with a German FA and they went back to him and they had to explain to him that uh, we're the German FA and we're Germany and we have to be seen to sort our own problems out. And they, uh, they dug right down into youth level to change all the different things and now they're arguably the best team in the world if, in terms of youth development and uh, on what they can give their national team and the Netherlands would be wise to look at that example and to employ a Dutchman as coach and Koeman has a history of um, 
of moulding teams together. You see Ajax in 2003 when they almost reached the semi-finals of the Champions League with an average age of 19. It was Koeman that put that side together. When uh, when he was in charge of uh, PSV when they won titles, there was good quality players uh, involved in the first team and, and they managed to win uh, titles. You see the youth set up that he arranged at Feyenoord. He has a history of moulding a young team and this is exactly what the national team needs. So if I was... Uh, if I was the Dutch FA, if I was Eric Schroeder, I would definitely employ Koeman as national team manager. No, I totally agree. I think um, the Dutch FA are taking their time, rightly so. Um, they've got plenty of time before the next match, and it's only a matter of time before eventually Koeman takes over, and he's definitely the right man for the job. Hopefully, it's a matter of time before we find out, because it's it's turning into a very long wait now, and I think we're really excited to hear who that new person is that's going to be the figurehead of the revival uh, of the Netherlands. Definitely think there'll be some sort of secret communication between, you know, Huda and Koeman. There'll probably been some sort of initial contact that's just not been leaked to the media yet. Um, there's nothing stopping Koeman right now preparing for it and, you know, watching ahead of his games, scouting players um, for the, whenever he does take charge. I think it, it's only a matter of time. Uh, speaking of the D Dutch managers, um, Dick Avakart, who has just left the Netherlands position, has taken over at Sparta Rotterdam. And Michael James, I know you're both very uh, excited, actually, to see how he gets on. Because um, Sparta have been struggling in the Eredivisie. They're down the bottom three. Uh, but does he have that, that one last little kick to to get them out of trouble? I think so. I think so. I think I think with his experience, he's also played for Sparta Rotterdam in the past. He knows what that club demands, and uh, I think with his experience, I think it's also fantastic for the Eredivisie to have such a uh, a revered manager returning to the National League of the Netherlands. Uh, Bert van Marbeek had the opportunity to return to Go Ahead Eagles a few years ago because he played there in, during his career, and he had the opportunity to return to manage Go Ahead Eagles and get them out of trouble and keep them in the Europa League and he, for some reason he didn't take it and uh, I think uh, uh, Dick Advocat is uh, I think he's excited by the challenge and I think uh, I can see him keeping Sparta Rotterdam up um, I think it's uh, there's 17 games to go uh, many many twists and turns but it's a fantastic impulse for the club as well because Sparta Rotterdam along with Go Ahead Eagles naturally everybody has their club here in the Netherlands whether it's Ajax, Feyenoord, Willem II or Groningen but uh, the majority, the com common consensus is always that uh, clubs in particular like Sparta Rotterdam and like Go Ahead Eagles, they're so well respected because of their history and the warmth of the club and, and being proper football clubs that are involved in the community and involved in the, in the cities where they're, where they're based and uh, that can only be a good thing. I think it adds some excitement to the second half of the season as well. Um, Advocate, he's obviously an experienced coach, but he's been given the, the go-ahead to get some deals done um, during the transfer window. He's already signed Dos Santos and Fred Friday from AZ. Uh, we've got a young defender from Fenerbahce coming in. Um, he's looking all around there to add more and more talent to the squad. Um, and young talent, you know, Sam Wammers, the PSV striker. Um, he's not really getting a game this season. He's now one they looked at. They looked at Adam Meyer as well, who wasn't a big fan of moving. It looks like he's going to go to FC Twenty. Um, I think if he molds the squad, I think they become just one of the, you know, just one of the good sides to watch in the second half of the season. And Advocate, I think, will definitely keep them up. 
Um, I think they'll have too much quality for the teams around them at the bottom if they do strengthen. And uh, you know, he's only there to the end of the season. And um, then I think the club will look to appoint someone that can take them even further. But it's just, I think it's very smart for the club to go to someone like Advocate, who's obviously a big fan of the the club, and he's obviously got one last passionate, you know, position to take over and guide them to safety. And then he looks like like a hero for the club. Yeah, what an extraordinary turn of events um, that someone like a team like Sparta, who have been in trouble most of the season, could now have too much quality to go down, um, all led by Evercart as well. And I think he'll make a massive difference. And it just he just adds to a list of uh, teams that we can watch in the second half of the season. I really hope that Pex Waller can keep up their form because uh, they're fourth at the minute and they start off with a game against Vitesse and if they can get a win there, then the momentum will keep on going. And I just think that... what uh, Sorry, no, that's not the first game. Uh, Pex Waller playing Nakpaleda, first of all. Pereira. Yeah. Uh, and I just think it, it will be nice to see him do really well and break into the top four of the area de Vizier. It will be hard to keep off the likes of RZ and Final, though, for those kind of positions. We've not really mentioned uh, the league leaders so far, really. Um, PSV, um, obviously, as they go for the title. They've added um, a young striker, Romero. He's going to be exciting to watch over the next six months. Um, Sam Wammers as well. If they keep him, they decide to keep him. Um, in the recent Florida Cup friendlies, he scored twice the second goal against Fluminense. was was brilliant. Um, and we're going to see if they can hold on and hold off this Ajax side. Um, another team to watch, obviously, is AZ Alkmaar. They've been brilliant this season under Van den Brom. Um, packed for a young talent. One to look out for there is uh, Myron uh, Boadu, the 17-year-old striker. He's been injured for the first half of the season, but he's coming back now. Um, they see him as someone that's going to be at the club for the next couple of years um, and very, very big talent. I think um, Max Hubert's the director, even said that he's got the technical ability of Dennis Burkamp. So that's you know a lot of pressure to put on a 17-year-old, but he's uh, he looks very special. I think um, FC Twente will be uh, interesting to watch. They're unbeaten in their last three games, and I think with the uh, experience of Gertjan Verbeek, I can see them avoiding relegation. I think it'll be very interesting to see how Vitesse Arnhem uh, go into the second half of the season with it being announced that. Uh, they will part ways with current manager Henk Fraser at the end of the season. And uh, also be interesting to see how Utrecht fare under the new manager Jean-Paul de Jong because he's played uh, over 400 games for the club as a player and he's been involved uh, at youth level and, and really understands the club. His only previous experience came at FC Eindhoven in the Europa League. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares. And uh, naturally, being uh, being a fan of Faith of Fenlo, having interviewed Maurice Stein, I hope they manage to have enough in the tank to um, to avoid relegation and, and cap a wonderful season back uh, in uh, Eredivisie, having won the uh, first division title last season. Yeah, we have we have really not touched upon PSV in this podcast, and it's we keep talking about it, don't we how if they can hold off ajax it's not as if they're going to be runaway leaders um i think all all three of us have got this little inkling of doubt in our minds that maybe they don't quite have enough to make it um but what i think we will know for sure is that it will be close and it will be tight it could be a, you know one match between those two teams psv and ajax that makes all the difference in this title race but it's going to be so exciting i think yeah i, I agree but i also think the pressure's on philip Koku. 
I think uh, the pressure's put upon himself to win a league title and on the club to win a league title. He's been there for five seasons now. And even though he's won two uh, league titles, one of them was uh, a last day um, a last day uh, debacle from Ajax not winning against the Graafschap and handing the uh, title to PSV. Um, I think Koku, uh, in order to stay at PSV long term or in even even to sign off from the club, I think uh, the pressure is on him from himself and also the club to uh, to deliver the title in Eindhoven this season. Then you go look at the first round of games this weekend. You know, if Ajax beat Feyenoord, and that puts so much confidence into them, and then PSV are away against Heracles the last game of the weekend. You know, that's a massive game for them. They've got to if Ajax win then PSV have got to win that one or the pressure's really on. Excellent. Fantastic, guys. Uh, anything else you want to mention? Uh, just a quick uh, plug for the uh, recent interview, interviews that were up on the site at the beginning of the year with uh, Arsenal ladies, uh, Daniela van der Donk, um, the Graafschap captain Sven Newport, and of course uh, your interview with Bristol City ladies, uh, player Danik Kerkerdijk. Uh, so for the people that haven't read or seen those interviews yet, check them out. 